right, folks, welcome to What in the History, episode 14, part two. Uh, we are talking about the Japanese invasion of Alaska. Uh, my name is Dan Brady. I'm Johnny Smith. Uh, Johnny, how are you doing? I am doing phenomenal, Dan. Uh, again, we are recording live in person, which is always a treat for me. Um, I'm looking forward to part two. And we did the comedies tonight. Yeah, we did some stand-up live in person, outdoors in the freezing cold. We're in western Pennsylvania. It's fucking cold. And uh, we showed up to the venue uh, two hours early. So we got that going. It was it was essentially a trap house for beatniks. Like, it was the wildest shit. I was afraid someone was going to, like, try and stab me for, like, walking in their fucking hallway. <laughs> so I waited outside with Dan in the freezing cold. And it was it was it was a blast. Yeah, it was great uh, just seeing everybody tonight, um, <clears throat> making people laugh, the stuff that makes your heart all warm and fuzzy, makes your mental health a little bit better. Um, and here we are recording. Uh, obviously, we didn't get canceled after part one, and Johnny didn't get beat up by the Navy, so... Uh, we have all the love and respect for the Navy servicemen on here. Fuck the Navy. Woo, we love them and respect them. Jesus, God almighty. <laughs> Oh, I mean, unless it's a seal knocking at your door, I think you're going to be okay, Johnny. Uh, I have all the love and respect for the Navy servicemen out there. <laughs> oh, so uh, part one, we covered kind of the build up to battle. It was kind of quick, uh, easy episode or part. Um, we just want to kind of set the idea that, you know, two opposing forces are going to collide on the Aleutian Islands. Um, so today we're going to start with, uh, you know, just basically a couple days before the invasion and then uh, the battle of uh, uh, Dutch Bay and beyond that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, are you ready? I'm, I, baby, I'm born ready. Let's rock and roll. Uh, just as last episode, I don't know a goddamn thing about any of this. So let's go. So uh, the Japanese... By May 25th, the Japanese Northern Force had assembled at Aminato Naval Base. Northern Force uh, embarked, the, uh, embarked their landing forces for Attu and Adact um, on May 26th. Uh, the main body and invasion flotillas would be put uh, out on June 20 or June 2nd before departing for the Western Aleutians on June 3rd. Hmm. Um, so uh, the Rear Admiral Fuzzy Theobald. Uh, Love the name. Uh, <laughs> Fuzzy Theobald. Oh, yeah. That sounds like something you pay a very high-class prostitute. <laughs> I'll take a Fuzzy Theobald, please. If you don't know what it is, you can't afford it. Yeah, if you don't know what that is, you, you can't afford it, motherfuckers. Um, so he arrived on Kodak, uh, Island or Kodak, Alaska on May 27th and opened an immediately multi-day strategy conference with major, uh, general Simon Buckner. The last time we were talking about him, he was a Colonel. Good for him. That's oh, a rising rank. Moving up in the world, mm -hmm. buddy. Uh, Brigadier General William Butler, USF, USAAF. And the Cap Captain Leslie Gears of the U.S. Navy. Leslie Gears? That's a great name. 
That's a great last uh, name. Geyers, G-E-H-R-E-S. Um, yeah, whatever. Pittsburgh Public Schools kicking in. <laughs> uh, at the primitive Ford, they met at the Ford Airfields at Unnock and Cold Bay. Uh, these bases were just consisting of tents and matting laid down directly on oh, Boggy wow. Muskeg. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, on May 28th, Nimitz forwarded Theobald a new naval intelligence assessment claiming Japanese invasion forces were divided into two groups, one bound for Kiska and the other possibly for Attu. Nimitz also forwarded an intercepted May 22nd Imperial Japanese Navy uh, communication stating heavy bomber force will advance to Puramashiro for a period of about 20 days beginning May 29th. Additionally, increasingly heavy anti-submarine patrols were noted in the North Pacific. I don't like any of this. I don't like any of this at all. These fuckers are arming up to attack. Yes, they are. They're on their way. Uh, so Fuzzy Theobald harbored a <laughs> pathological suspicion of naval intelligence reinforced by Pearl Harbor uh, uh, designating the Western Aleutians too worthless to warn an invasion, Theobald disre disregarded Nimitz's uh, premise that Kiska and Attu were primary targets. Um, Theobald's May 29th memo announced that Japanese transmissions were intended to lure U.S. forward, leaving the true Japanese targets undefended. Uh, therefore, uh, he chose to defend Dutch Harbor and mainland Alaska. Okay. Um, so, I don't know, yeah, I don't know enough about the, the place at the time. To... So, so basically, uh, he was being told, like, our intelligence heavily suggests that they're going to Attu, which is the Aleutian Islands. Oh, so and his disbelief of the Navy He's just like, no, no, this place is worthless. There's no point. So uh... he disregarded his uh, superior's orders to do this meeting and you know say hey stuff's coming so he just chose to uh guard mainland alaska i hope he got reprimanded for that oh uh we'll find out won't we <laughs> fair enough fair enough i mean it's just kind of the embarrassment of uh of just knowing that you fucked up i mean because of that they invaded they were able to invade specifically because of that yeah you know so it wasn't just you fucked up you fucked up big time you piece of shit right pre-war japanese intelligence on dutch harbor harbor was almost non-existent consisting of poor charts and a single 1920s photograph i'm sure that was a stunning picture um, <laughs> however there's a on june 20 uh june 2nd i keep wanting to say 22nd uh, Periscope uh, recon accurately assessed Dutch Harbor's garrison at only 5,000 mostly service personnel instead of the assumed uh, U.S. Army Division. Urged by Rear Admiral Senataro Omori, Kakuta requested to invade uh, Dutch Harbor instead, but the last-minute notion was too radical for Yamamoto, who refused. So he wanted to attack where the guy thought they were going to attack. 
Yeah. But his leadership said no, and he actually listened. Yes. Oh, so, okay. That's a weird turn of events. But it, it's nice to see people listening to their fucking orders. So the Japanese approached their launch point 165 miles south of Dutch Harbor uh, during the short summer night of June 2nd to the 3rd. Um, they were masked, but at least they chose to invade during the uh, nicer weather, you know? <laughs> okay. Like, uh, all right. How polite of them. Oh, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so, um, you know, they set up at their launch point. They're masked by the region's typically thick fog, which, uh, you know, the Japanese were anxious um, with uh, the mercury reading 19 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, the Japanese began uh, launching their planes at uh, 2.50 in the morning, eight minutes before the northern summer's local sunrise. 46 plane, uh, it was a 46 plane strike. Um, so was it designed to look like they were coming as the sun was rising? Mm, like another just psychological effect on Oh my God, that's what it exactly, well, it was also, uh, you know, they're just waking up. That's when you're vulnerable, okay, including. Okay. But at night, like, you know, they didn't have infrared stuff, so they couldn't hit anything strategically. So as they hit right around the sun hit, that was a terrifying image. And I'm sure uh, it also has something to do. I, this might sound dumb, but I'm going to ramble here. Uh, just like, because they're coming in with planes, like looking in the sky is really hard to do at sunrise. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. I don't know. I've never flown a plane. Neither have I. <laughs> you don't have some weird past life I don't know of? No, I was never a pilot. That's one thing I've never done. Who knows, though? Well, uh, so the fog and the 400-foot cloud ceiling uh, basically um, made formation flying uh, impossible. Planes made their way individually to Dutch Harbor, uh, believing the overcast too low for effective dive bombing, uh, the entire strike force of uh, dive bombers uh, boarded their mission. Oh, they lived another day. Mm -hmm. um, they weren't kamikaze; just they dive in. Oh, oh, oh. I was gonna say. I was gonna say, like there's kamikaze guys. They say their goodbyes and shit, and then it's like, oh, I guess I'm back. Like, remember all those people you said to go fuck themselves? <laughs> <laughs> They have been briefed uh, simply to attack any enticing looking targets. Um, the Japanese were unaware of US fighter strips at Amnok and Cold Harbor, believing the nearest US fighters were based 600 miles away at Kodiak. But they were actually based how, how far away? Uh, it doesn't really say, but it's not too far. Okay. From what I understood of, you know, part one. Okay, fair enough. I mean, if I had a map in front of me, Johnny, you're fucking failing here. Who forgot their laptop? That is true. Uh, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> oh, Johnny. Oh, and this is our last <laughs> episode. Uh, <laughs> That's it, guys. We're hanging it up. Um, the Dutch Harbor shore-based anti-aircraft defenses compromised the Arkansas's National Guard's 206 Coast Artillery Regiment batteries of 12 3-inch M1918AA guns, 14 37-millimeter uh, AA guns, and 24-inch uh, 50 caliber 
M2 Browning heavy machine guns. A coastal artillery battalion of four 155 millimeter long tom guns from the 250 Coast Artillery Regiment guarded the harbor approaches but were useless against aircraft. In the harbor were old destroyers USS King and USS Talbot, seaplane tender USS Gillis, submarine USS S-27, U.S. Army transports, uh, the President Fillmore and the Moreland and Coast Guard cutter on Onada. That sounds like a lot. Mm. It's it sounds like quite a bit. Um, you know, let's see, one, two, three ships, a transport boat, and then a submarine and two coast guard ships. It not, not I'm surprised anything was able to go down when the coast guard was on, on duty. <laughs> like what? <laughs> Performed CPR on that ship. Stat. <laughs> oh. They threw all their life 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 preserves over. If there's any Coast Guard members, please make sure to send that hate email to what in the history 814 at gmail.com. Again, that is what in the history 814 at gmail.com. At least you're listening, nerds. <laughs> uh, you were just aggressive. Do you need to talk about something? <laughs> I got into heckler mode. <laughs> Stop it, Johnny. <laughs> Uh, the Dutch Harbor's 6,000-plus strong garrison uh, had been waiting several days for the rumored Japanese attack, and duty went to general quarters at oh, at 4.30 a.m. It's mm. a hell of a way to start the day. Three days stormy weather broke that morning. Uh, you know, just uh, a 10,000-foot cloud ceiling. Um <clears throat> So just perfect visibility, just, you know. Okay. Good day for a plane attack. Good day for an air attack. You know, when I flew recently, I remember opening the window briefly. And, uh, man, oh, man, we were just over so much cloud coverage that we couldn't see below it. And it almost looked like I could see the curvature of the earth. Yeah, that's why, like, uh, Normandy was delayed for so long because of cloud coverage and fog and stuff like that. I tell you what, man, I never experienced as much turbulence I did as on the way back. Holy shit, it was crazy. That Mason-Dixon line's rough. Woo, boy! <laughs> um, at uh, 5.40 a.m., Gillis's radar detected incoming aircraft at 9,000 feet. Uh, the Dutch Harbor Skipper Commander William Uptegraaf observed looks he said looks like this is it and ordered an alert ships in port made steam to escape dutch harbor broadcast uh about to be bombed by enemy planes uh the the planes in cold bay 180 miles east there you go johnny okay i scrambled to intercept the japanese radio failure meant uh the p-40s at unknox much closer fort glenn were oblivious to the impending attack oh wow just sitting ducks. Comms always go down, man. Always. Um, at 5.45, the Imperial Japanese Navy appeared and made a strafing pass of the Dutch Harbor facilities. Two Catalinas were in the midst of taking off when the Japanese attacked. Two zeros shot down one of the Catalinas. Uh, 
killing two aboard aircraft. Mm. Um, the uh, the flaming plane uh, crash landed and its pilots escaped just before it exploded. The second Catalina got airborne and fled safely into the crowd, uh, clouds, not the crowd. Yeah, what crowd? <laughs> They're about to attack. Let's yeah. go watch this shit. Uh, intense American anti-aircraft fire erupted from both shore-based artillery and ships in harbor. Commander, uh, the commander uh, singled out transport President Fillmore for praise. In addition to her own armament, she had mounted on deck a battery of 37 millimeter guns uh, co-signed to Cold Bay, which gave her 22 anti-aircraft guns. These were served with such rapidity that, wow, fuck me. Uh, that the Fillmore appeared to be <laughs> and was reported on fire. So they were firing so much that they looked like they were hit. Oh, wow. That's crazy. USA. USA. It was a firefight. Oh, my God. I just saw that whole scene in my yeah, head. Boondock Saints. Oh, yeah, man. It was a firefight. William Defoe is one of the most underrated actors. Yeah, I love him. He's amazing. Anyway, uh, so back to Dutch Harbor. <laughs> um, uh, these were, again, American flak would claim just one enemy aircraft. Oh, really? Yeah. That's crazy. I, I mean, I can't explain what happened. I'm just... Yeah, man, especially with the one ship shooting like they were on fire. I'm guessing they never saw airplanes before, uh, not leading them. I don't fucking know. Uh, oh, that's man. not my department. Okay, fair, fair enough. Uh, at 5.50, four uh, planes appeared overhead at 9,000 feet. 14 years of their, uh, 14 of their 16 293-pound bombs struck Fort Mears, teeming white installations, destroying three warehouses, two barracks, three Kwanzaa huts, and killing 25 Americans and wounding 25 more. Man. Three uh, three barracks, two officers' quarters, an officer's mess, and two storage sheds were damaged. Three more bombers appeared over Mount Balahu and dropped six 550-pound bombs. Now, what are these bombs filled with? 550 pounds of what? Uh, TNT, okay. stuff like that. All right. I didn't go that in depth with my research. All right, yeah, that's all. We're good. I just there's not there's not many components in this world that go boom. So, okay, I mean that's fair enough. I just was curious. Uh, that is filled with cotton candy, as a pinata, Johnny. Oh my lord. <laughs> um, so these bombs uh, missed Fort Mears, but killed an army soldier in a trench. Man, just one. Just one. And had to suck. Bad luck, Larry. Yeah, that's terrible. Wow. He's probably the only guy in the fucking trench, too. They were all like, don't do it. He's like, no, I'm going to be ready. <laughs> what? Poor Larry. A third flight uh, dropped six more 550-pound bombs, knocking out a radio transmitter, destroying a Kwanzaa hut, and killing a civilian. The bombs narrowly missed Dutch Harbor's radio shack, spraying it with shrapnel and prompting the American... Americans to transmit that one knocked me off my chair huh that's a weird thing to transmit mm -hmm. we well, can't be like holy fuck that was close okay I, I get it 
I mean, that would suck to get some sort of judicial punishment during a firefight or a bombing. Yeah, that definitely would. But you know how the government is petty as fuck. That motherfucker was close. What'd you say? Oh, shit. I almost died, sir. <laughs> um, but you didn't. The final wave of bombers approached Dutch Harbor from the east and dropped six bombs on Powerhouse Hill. One bomb hit a uh, Navy firewatcher's bunker, killing one uh, sailor and wounding another. The second bomb struck a road, destroying an army truck and killing its driver, while a third bomb landed near a trench and killed an enlisted Marine. All Japanese aircraft departed Dutch Harbor to the north. Ten minutes after the Japanese disappeared, Cold Bay's uh, Warhawks appeared over smoke choke Dutch Harbor. The frustrated Americans could only turn around and fly the 180 miles back to Cold Bay. Wow. They just had to turn around, huh? Yep. Hmm. Uh, the day's attack appeared uh, dramatic, but only inflicted uh, superficial damage on Dutch Harbor. The base's military value was not significantly degraded. None of Dutch Harbor's ships were damaged. Total American uh, fatalities uh, was 32. So they kind of lucked out as far as the low level of fatalities. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that's good. Uh, a Japanese uh, pilot discovered uh, the uh, flush deck U.S. destroyers lurking at Makishin Bay uh, shortly before 9 o'clock. Um, a 37 plane strike was uh, dispatched to find and uh, sink the U.S. destroyers. Oh, no. Quickly deteriorating weather confounded navigation and iced up the Japanese planes carburetors. Completely lost, the carrier planes returned uh, back to their ships. Good, KK. I was worried there. I thought they were going to get them. Um... At 10, uh, 10 o'clock, a PBY was jumped by a combat air uh, patrol 200 miles southwest of Dutch Harbor and was shot down, killing five aircrew. Two hours later, the heavy cruiser Takio picked up three survivors who spent, would spend the war in Japanese captivity. Uh, a Catalina uh, located... Uh, Kakuta's carriers and radioed their locations before being shot down by Japanese Zeros. The crew was ultimately rescued by the USCG cutter Namaha. However, Dutch Harbor had not received the original transmission and the ship refused to break radio silence to relay the message. Oh, wow. Come on. At 1,200, uh, the Japanese planes returned back to their carrier. Uh, a lot of them were shot up pretty good. I would imagine so. Uh, the carriers were withdrew southwest. The Japanese carriers were withdrew southwest in the stormy weather, expecting to hit ADAC the following day, June 4th. So it's kind of like a stick and move. Right on. I mean, that's a good strategy. They get themselves patched up and fixed up. However, uh, on their way to ADAC, foul weather slowed them down. 
expecting uh, worse over ADAC and disappointed with June 3rd's results. The following morning, uh, Kakuta scraped June 4th schedule at ADAC strike and turned his carriers around for a second Dutch Harbor raid. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's unexpected. Well, I mean, his, I mean, it makes perfect sense. His original objective is unapproachable. So why not just go back and beat the Americans down just a little bit more? Fair enough. Uh, June 4th, an American PBY located the two Japanese carriers through the rainy overcast. A second Catalina radioed going into attack, but was forced to abort its uh, torpedo run after Japanese fire shot out an engine. Well, this is not looking good. Uh, six bombers took off from Unnak towards Kakuta's reported location. Uh, they were armed with airdropped uh, thir- uh, Mark 13 torpedo- torpedoes, uh, hopefully uh, jerry-rigged by USN technicians. However, um, the B-26s were thwarted by heavy fog and cloud cover. Again, this weather in this corner of the air uh, uh, world is absolutely terrible on the best day. Yeah, it sounds like it's devastating their plans. They can't get everything they want accomplished, essentially, because of the goddamn weather. Uh, back in Cold Bay, a frustrated Colonel Erickson led six more torpedo-armed B-26s out to find the Japanese. He was, too, uh, turned back by the shitty weather. Mm. Um, facing heavy Japanese flank, uh, flak, uh they aborted several torpedoes runs against the two carriers and then changed tactics and dive-bombed his torpedoes instead. The missiles sailed over the Ryujo's heaving storm toss deck and into the sea 600 feet beyond. So just... Just missed him. Yep. Mm. Uh, Thornburg escaped only to fatally crash upon his next mission. Oh, man. Um, that afternoon, two radar-guided uh, B-17s uh, found Kakuta's fleet and attacked. Flying through intermittent fog, the elite B-17 bombed unsuccessfully from 900 feet. Uh, the second B-17 bore in on the heavy cruiser and was abruptly shot down without any survivors. Mm. Meanwhile, six other B-26s again departed Unnak to attack the Japanese carriers. Two B-26 dropped torpedoes uh, at Ryujo, and a third B-26 attacked Junyo before escaping. Uh, despite American claims, Kakuta's uh, uh, fleet survived undamaged. Wow. So he's pretty impressive. Later in the afternoon of June 4th, Kakuta launched his second Dutch Harbor raid, uh, including uh, 15 aircraft, uh, 30 total aircraft. Um, The afternoon of June 4th brought clear skies over Dutch Harbor with scattered clouds at 3,000 feet. Perfect weather to attack. At 537, Fisherman's Point Army Station uh, weather station reported a Catalina shot down near Egg Island and at 540 uh, observed three bombers flight inbound towards Dutch Harbor. 
<clears throat> so they're moving in. Mm-hmm. Making their move again. At seven or at five fifty-five, the uh, aircraft opened their shallow dives through the scattered overcast, releasing their five hundred fifty-pound bombs, destroying four Dutch Harbor's brand new uh, steel barrel fuel tanks. The tanks had only just been filled on June first. Oh no! <clears throat> uh, a near so those were caught on fire. Another fuel tank was also uh, on fire, but steady con sturdy construction prevented it from destroying the rest of the tank farm. Uh, they also attacked the ancient SS Northwestern, a beach merchantman, merchantman functioning as an auxiliary power station and civilian barrack ship for the uh, Siemens Drake Pungent Sound Company. Huh. A single bomb struck the Northwestern and the ensuing blaze eventually destroyed a nearby uh, warehouse. One uh, Japanese plane attacked the nearby village of Unalaska, population 250. A 500 pound bomb destroyed the empty nurse's wing of the Indian Affairs Hospital. It's good that it was empty then. Yeah. No casualties from that. Right. Four, uh, four Japanese bombers followed uh, from the northeast at 6.21 p.m. Most of their bombs fell in the sea, but one blew a 50-foot hole in the seaplane hangar roof, and the other struck a 37-millimeter uh, gun, killing two troops. Five more bombers attacked at 6.25. So they're coming in waves. Um, and it sounded like their whole strategy was numbers. Yeah, because they were dropping so many bombs that a couple of them had to at least hit. Right. Uh, they killed four men at a USN 20-millimeter gun position before the Japanese departed. Ironically, the Japanese formed up for home in the easy view of Fort Glenn, causing eight P-40s to scramble. A wave top crash resulted in one uh, Japanese plane and two P 40s shot down before the Japanese escaped. Mm. So just chasing them on top of the waves, man. That's crazy. That'd make a good movie scene. Yeah, that'd be a dope movie scene. I'm sure that's been done in a video game somewhere. Uh, <clears throat> 1,800 miles to the south, uh, Japanese Imperial. Uh, Admiral Yamamoto had suffered a shocking and devastating turn of events off of Midway, uh, the first Japanese defeat by the United States uh, on June 4th. So he's not doing too hot either, though. No. So this was really unexpected. Um, uh, so, like, this kind of throws a, a wrench into all their plans. Um, so, you know, kind of Japanese strategies changed a little bit. They were supposed to go here and here, but obviously that changed. Um, so the Kakuda uh, refilled his planes, and he planned to depart the morning of June 5th to try and salvage uh, Yamamoto's midway disaster. However, the Japanese tactical situation at Midway continued to deteriorate throughout the night, June 4th into the 5th. 
And at 2.55 a.m. June 5th, Yamamoto re reluctantly bowed to reality, transmitting to all forces the midway operation is canceled. Huh. So he just called it off. Yeah. So Yamamoto ordered his surviving midway forces to retire back to Japan. So the, the ships were turning around to go help out, but he's like, hey, game over, man, game over. I think you, when you said retire, you meant retreat. Retreat. Retired back to Japan. Get the hell out of here. You're fired. Oh, God almighty. No, 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 no. So U.S. fatalities during the June 3rd to 4th Dutch Harbor attacks were 43, including 33 U.S. Army, 8 U.S. Navy, a U.S. Marine, and a civilian. American wounded uh, numbered 64 25 air crew had been lost during the counterattacks, totaling 68 Americans killed or captured. Even though, like, the numbers weren't high, they still had to, like, hurt morale. And because of, uh, and because of the terrain, like, there wasn't big bomb craters and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So, uh, the U.S. Uh, garrison assumed a invasion to be imminent. It was not immediately clear that the Dutch Harbor battle was over. Uh, Theobald, increasingly old fuzzy, increasingly <laughs> agitated, had listened to radio chatter of the Dutch Harbor strikes and ineffective counterattacks throughout June 4th. Uh, <clears throat> but he couldn't really answer because of his self-imposed radio silence. See, that's so stupid. It was self-imposed. Like, he could have answered any time he wanted so Theobald uh, was frustrated. He temporarily handed at sea command to the Indianapolis skipper, Captain Edward Hansen, then personally took the USS Nashville back to Kodiak on June 5th, arriving, arriving at 531. After further instructions to Butler, Theobald's Nashville departed Kodiak at 4.06 p.m., rejoining the North Pacific uh, force at 7 a.m. on June 6th. Huh. Then, uh, you know, the command proceeded to waste most of their air strength scouting uh, the empty bearing scene, embarrassing, embarrassingly punctuated with five inexperienced B-17 crews mistakenly bombed the radar-detected radar uh, islands uh, rather than the assumed Japanese fleet. Meanwhile, U.S. reinforcements trickled forward. That's a shame. Uh, yeah. Just a big old whoopsie. <laughs> it's a hell of a way to put it. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, the Japanese forces are starting to probe, uh, you know, uh, two successful attacks on Dutch, Dutch Harbor. Yeah, they didn't. Um, the first attack didn't hit anything of utmost importance, but the second one took out some guns. And I'm sure after two days of being bombed, it kind of fucks with your head, especially like we're in Alaska. Nothing's going to happen <laughs> to us up here. Yeah, you, know? you, you go up to Alaska. I guess it's supposed to be a sweet gig. Yeah. You know, it's cold, but we're not going to die. Well, maybe. Oh boy, I get to go to Alaska and miss the war. Yeah. Let me know how that's working out for him. Oh man, that's just. <laughs> Dear mom, we got fucking bombed. Can you believe it, mom? Can you fucking believe this shit? 
Uh, your boy shit his pants. What the fuck do they want with Alaska, mom? Right. Yeah, that's probably the thing, too. Like, people getting bombed, like the men on the ground, probably had no idea why. Like, what's this fucking bullshit? Which, you know, it is, but... So, um, despite the catastrophe, fuck my mouth, (laughs) um, at Midway, at 12.59 a.m. or p.m., June 6th, Yamamoto ordered uh, the two Japanese carriers to rendezvous with an invasion force and proceed with the landings at Kiska and Atu. Adak was too close to the now-revealed Omnak airbase for comfort, and the planned Adak invasion was canceled. So basically, uh, they didn't realize that there was an airbase so close to Adak, so they're like, Fuck that. Too risky now. Too risky. Okay. Because they, they're probably already prepared better than they were. Well, you also got to figure, I mean, you you have a uh, a force, a warrior force that hadn't been defeated. defeated. Uh, their, their Navy was really, really top of the line. And you all of a sudden, they could just get struck this embarrassing blow at Midway. They thought they were going to win. They were cocky. But we kicked their ass. Good. USA, USA, USA. Oh man, complete with fist bumps. <laughs> oh man. At 10:27 p.m. on the rainy night of June 6th, the 1260 naval infantry of the Imperial Japanese Navy um, Third Special Landing Force put ashore at Kiska's Reynard Cove and advanced southward towards Kiska Harbor. Weeks earlier, on May 18th, the U.S. Navy had established a 10-man weather station at Kiska Harbor's northwest shoreline. Imagine being a rabid, uh, weatherman. Like, oh yeah, nothing's going to happen to me. Uh, then the fucking Japanese army lands on your island. The war is here? What the fuck? Why is the war here? My first thought was, did they take the, all the mainland already? Yeah. Uh, no, they didn't take the mainland. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Just, yeah, you know, if I'm getting attacked in that right. those islands, I'm like, they must have took the mainland. What the fuck? So after bearing food caches, they had nervously followed the Dutch harbor battle by radio. They now tentatively hoped the Japanese fleet had bypassed them and route back to Japan. Mm. Guess what, nerds? <laughs> At 2 a.m. June 7th, the Americans were startled awake by shattering glass and Japanese machine gun fire. Stone Cold, Stone Cold came into the scene. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> man, dun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That's kind of the road dog. Sorry. <laughs> oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody. I'm sorry, everybody. I, I'm, Shut I'm the fuck tr- up, John. I'm truly sorry, everybody. Oh, you wanted it to be more fluid conversation. You shut the fuck up. You wanted this. You wanted this. Be careful what you wish for, everybody. (laughs) At 2.15 a.m., again, the Americans were woken up. uh, A round struck. uh, Aerographer's mate, second class, Walter Winfrey, screamed, attack, attack, to uh, his buddies. As another bullet ripped through the radar radar men third class ML Courtney's hand, the Americans 
frantically dressed. Oh. That's a hell of a fucking wake up call. Yeah, that's a hell of a way to wake up. Two Americans were immediately captured. The remaining eight fled up the mountainside, unarmed, desperate to reach the hanging uh, cloud bank 300 yards above. Twilight was breaking offshore. Uh, they could make out Japanese barges firing upon the mountain, their glowing tracers appearing like base baseballs coming curving towards us. Oh, um, <laughs> Fuck, that's got to be terrifying. To imagine waking up, I'm already groggy, but you know, you're shot in the fucking hand, and then you're like, oh, I gotta climb now. <laughs> I'm a bitch without my coffee in the morning. <laughs> pow, pow, motherfucker. Boom, bop. Yeah, that would make for a hell of a wake-up call. <laughs> what is it? Folgers in your cup, a bullet in. Bullet in your hand. I don't know. The best part of waking up. up is getting shot the fuck up. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, within days, the biggest American group... Uh, uh, so... Hold on, I skipped over my fucking notes. Uh, avoiding the machine gun fire and scattering to confuse the Japanese, the eight Americans uh, reached the temporary sanctuary of the clouds but became separated in the mist. Oh, no. The infantry easily <laughs> rooted out the buried food caches, and two Americans were captured the next morning. Um, so the next, within days, the biggest American group surrendered due to uh, infected wounds. Uh, operating in a beach tent, a Japanese surgeon removed the bullet lodged in Winfrey's leg. Only one American, Willie House, remained unaccounted for. Oh, man. So, I mean, I guess at least they, they took, you know, the, the wounds care of the wounds. Could have yeah. been worse. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like they've done a lot worse. <clears throat> Let's remove that with a stick. Oh. Uh, some 180 miles west at Attu, uh, the Imperial Japanese Army 301st Independent Infantry Battalion landed in Holtz Bay at 1 a.m. June 7th. Attu's population comprised of 42 native Alouettes, including 15 children and a white couple. Oh, that was just all civilians. Yep. Uh, a 60-year-old ham radio operator, Charles Foster Jones, and his wife, 63-year-old school teacher, Etta Pearl Jones, all lived in Chicago Village. No resistance was possible. The battalion separated the Joneses from the Alouettes and violently interrogated them. By 6 a.m. on June 8th, the Jones were discovering having slashed their wrists. Oh, man. Charles died, but Etta recovered. It, you know, I don't, I don't advocate suicide, but uh, in that situation, it's kind of like, yeah, I can't say I blame him. Yeah, a little admirable, you know, wanting to die, you know, by your own hand and not getting tortured. Yeah, yeah, I can commend that too. Uh, I do not want to fucking get tortured at all. On August twenty fourth, uh, not that it's not on my bucket list, Johnny. <laughs> yeah, some people are into that wild shit though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mayonnaise is spicy. Etta <laughs> Jones and the Alouettes would be confined aboard uh, coal freighter Osada Maru and eventually shipped to uh, uh, Otari ha Hakado, 
arriving there September 24th. They earned the dubious distinction of being the only American civilians captured United, in the United States during World War II. Lucky them. Yeah, hell of a distinction. Of the original 44 inha uh, inhabitants of Attu, 24 would survive to be liberated on September 17th. Okay, that's that's better to hear because I honestly thought they were all going to be slaughtered. Right. So, uh, you know, uh, everything's getting under its way. Um, I think this is a good part to place part two on. Okay, sounds uh, good to me. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope it was a little more entertaining than the last one. Uh, there's a lot of information here. Uh, and, uh, you know, I try to cut out what I don't think is needed, but um, I hope you're enjoying it so far. Yeah, I'm having a blast, Dan. Yeah, me too. Um, so, yeah, uh, again, uh, follow us on the social medias. All the social medias. All of them. Just every fucking one. Just uh, type in those what in the history, guys. It'll pop up. Boom. We're pop-ups now. Spam. <laughs> I like spam. Do you like spam? No. No? Not at all. I dislike spam with a vengeance. Oh, yeah. It's Spice Tam. Oh, I forgot. That is my enemy. <laughs> I uh, once, once saw a picture on a Facebook page called... Uh, threatening uh flash flashlights with threatening ores <laughs> and uh somebody i carved out a can of like oh. a slice of spam in the middle oh that's disgusting so anyway folks i hope you enjoyed uh part two um i'm dan brady i'm johnny smith and i hope you guys have a, a good well whatever time of day you're listening <laughs> to this so good morning good afternoon i just hope you have a good rest of your day because you started it off right by listening to us sounds good peace and love everybody it was a moonless night i was 18 years old life was going nowhere Midnight at the railroad tracks, miles away from anywhere. I said my dark prayer. He didn't look quite how I figured. Green suit and black hair. Ribbons on his chest He seemed to walk on air He promised to get me Out of this town I'd be handsome, wealthy, and brave I'd travel the world Be powerful But a slave until my grave now it's raining in the desert. As it always gotta rain on me. I'm just another of the devil's dogs. Would they ever want with me? He grinned. I signed my name. Diabolical.
black seal Heard the cadence of an evil choir Sand shifted, I fell into the pit And marched with the other damned Until I was one of them But forever It's rain.